Lili Nishmas Rabbeinu Moshe Ben Maimon and Lili Nishmas Rav Moshe Ben <coughs> Rabbi Yitzhak Meir. On this day, the Yorzeit of the Rambam and still within the Shloshim of the Ptira of my Rebbe, the Rebbe of Claudius Rav Moshe Shapira, I wanted uh, to give a taste of his unique approach to the Rambam. Um, in consideration to what we alluded to in our last post about uh, his uh, general approach to the Rambam and in light of uh, <coughs> the presentation that we have on the Radziner's approach to the Rambam, which was, uh, that was Ramosha's school of thought that he ascribed to, and he just continued that research forwards, onwards. So I wanted to give everyone a taste of that, of how Ramosha, you know, learned the Rambam in sync with the Kabbalah. And in the Rambam, he always saw allusions to Yesaitis in Kabbalah. So one that I think is uh, very special, and the ideas are just uh, amazing onto their own, aside from how they uh, are a elucidation of the words of the Rambam, just the, the raw ideas themselves, just so how Ramosha was uh, quite a uh, capable philosopher, thinker, and Kabbalist. The Mishnah says in Ovis, Basar Mamoros Nivra Olam, Uma Tamad Lom, Rabbam Echali Boros, Le Parashim, Shem Madalam, Shnevra Basar Mamoros, Le Tetzhar, Latzarikim, Shem Akansalam, Shnevra Basar Mamoros. The world was created with ten utterances. You know, the nine times it says, Vimro Kim Yehi, and the tenth is really the first, Bereshis Kim, like the Gemara says, Bereshis Nami Maimurhu. So it was ten utterances that uh, the world was created with, but uh, God created the with one utterance. So what do we learn from the fact that he created the world with ten? It is to give schar to the tzadikim who uphold the world that was created with ten mamaros and to... Uh, take retribution from the Rishayim who destroy a world created with ten ma'amoros. It all sounds beautiful, you know, uh, very poetic, and all, what does it really mean? Uh, what are the ten utterances? What's the difference? So the Rambam's approach in the Pirish HaMishnayis is very simply that since God could have created everything with one utterance, so one utterance is good for everything, for the whole cosmos, and yet he invested ten utterances when each and every one could have theoretically created the whole cosmos. So that just shows you how amazing, amazingly valuable reality is, because as it were, reality was created with ten times the amount of power that it, which would have been requisite to create reality. So uh, reality has been super, super invested in, and that's what makes it so valuable. And therefore, you are truly guilty if you do anything to destroy it. And Ram goes on, that includes destroying yourself. That's how the Rambam ends off his peers in that Mishnah. Right? And you deserve great reward for sustaining it, because with the power, God used ten times the power that it takes to create one world, you know, one cosmos. He invested ten times that amount of power in uh, creating the world as we know it. just shows you how valuable and how beautiful and how, you know, um, 
spiritually dense, you know, packed with power, our world is. These are the words of the Rambam. Uh, so now, everyone knows that, uh, you know, Kabbalistically speaking, you know, Chazal had a uh, number system. You know, numbers by Chazal were a code. And whenever Chazal used the term 10 or point out that there were 10, it's all connected to famous Esser Spheris, the 10 units, and we're going to define them more as Ramosha defined them for us when giving this year, when trying to explain this Rambam that we just quoted. All right, so the, the 10 spheres are the uh, 10, for lack of a better word, uh, units, and we're going to explain deeper what they really mean uh, for the purposes of this discussion, obviously. What it means is it just goes far and wide without end, but for the purposes of this discussion, what it means. Right, there are 10 units that have... Uh, Ten types, call it, ten types of divine energy that he used to create the world. And all of reality is weaved out of these ten types of energies. Right? And they're called spheres. So the question is why they're called spheres. Why, you know, they're called uh, spheres, seemingly Miloshan Mispar, numbers. Which again is, uh, you know, the idea of numbers that is the theme of that fifth parak of Avos. Basar Ma'amorostent goes into, you know, the ten generations and it goes into the ten Nisim. It's, uh, that whole parak is uh, a whole cra- crash course in the number system of Chazal and how numbers to them were concepts. The tens, the sevens, the fours, and what each one represents and showing how that concept plays out in all the different scenarios, which are the different cases that the Mishnah brings. It's all showing how that concept could be, have various manifestations. Right, so the ten are the ten spheres, and, and spheres amongst the many meanings that uh, the Mekubalim uh, attach to that term. Sometimes it's Miloshin Sapir Gizrasam, like sapphires, they shine. They shine. Kalivna uh, Sasapir. It shines, you know. It's like it's a it's a divine light. Uh, but there's also the idea of mispar, and you know, it, it's uh, that's why we have a base ten. Numbers reach up to ten. Numbers go in tens because after it goes up to ten, and after ten tens it goes to a hundred. After ten hundreds it goes into a thousand. Right, it's all about uh, base ten. Right. <clears throat> so, you know. What about these divine energies has to do with numbers? And it goes back to the idea of 10. So, you know, there's a famous question that we have uh, philosophically right, that uh, the rebellion was of infinite power. Right? Of course, so maybe I should preface that in Jewish philosophy uh, in general and in Kabbalah in particular, we never talk about you know, uh, God himself in any type of positive terms or try to quantify him or describe him in any way. He evades any type of description or, and certainly any type of quantification. You can't put him into a numbers. You can't put him on a scale. You can't you know, put him in a category. Right, uh, and, and all our field of inquiry is just on the way he runs the world, the Hashgacha. And when we, even when we talk about Ein Sof, talking about the infinite, 
We're not even talking about God himself, because he's not just ain't self, he's ain't racious. He's neither, not as he infinite, that he doesn't end. He had no beginning either, but we don't talk about things that we, that are, you know, categorically beyond us. This Nefshachayim says in Shar Gimel, that ain't, even ain't self doesn't refer to God himself. It refers to the power that he uh, exhibits in creating and running our affairs. And so here's the famous question, right? Even though we're discussing God's power, not God himself, God himself, uh, we can't discuss him in any way, shape, or form. All right, but so, you know, God's power that he exhibits in creating us and running our affairs, it's ain't self. It's without limit. Right? So, why is the world finite? The world seemingly is, uh, you know, you know, uh, units, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of mass in the world, not more, not less, right? And, and the energies that there are, are as much as they are, not more, not less. And, and the same thing is true for absolutely anything in reality. It, it, has its, it has its limits, it has its borders, it has its definition, and has its uh, definite measure of what it you know, is and what it's capable of and what its function is. And it's not more than that. Yeah. So if God's of infinite power, where does the finite come from? Right. So, uh, you know, infinity minus one is still infinity. Right. So you know, it's without limits, without end. Right. This is the big mystery, part of which uh, is really what the Mekubalim seek to uh, explain when they talk about the Sodat Simtsum, right? the secret of how uh, Karsbachu concealed. And of course, it means he concealed his infinite power. Right? But, uh, but still, the question still remains. Infinity minus one is still equal to infinity. Because if it's without end, so you take one away, it's not missing anything. You know, you could take a lot away and take away as much as you want from infinity. It's the, the result will still be infinity because right? it's without end. So you take something finite away from without end. It still remains without end. Right? Uh, you have to be uh, a little bit uh, schooled in uh, mathematics and logic to understand what I'm saying. And Ramosha most definitely was. And he explained to us in this very sheer, and it's all coming. Agav, this Rambam. Mamish just explained this Rambam in Pirkei Ovis, right? That uh, Kodesh Baruch Hu invested the same amount of power in creating, for lack of a better word, well, lack of a better word of saying it, one-tenth of the world, whatever he created with one utterance, he invested the same amount of power that he could have created the whole world with. Right? This is really, in, to Rav Moshe, the Rambam was alluding to the spherus ain't self relationship, for lack of a better word, of describing it, which really uh, parallels the relationship between numbers and infinity. And as he explained us in his shir, which just shows how he had such a strong mastery, not just of Kabbalah, but also on all the other wisdoms that could be useful in explaining Kabbalah, like philosophy and number theory. Right? What is a number? And not to confuse number with quantity. Quantities are finite. And as we will try to explain 
Very briefly, numbers and quantities should not be confused with each other. You need numbers to produce quantities, but numbers themselves are not quantities. Like three, let's take an example. Three. Three what? It could be three miles. It could be three pounds. It could be three light years. It could be three tons. Three is a concept. It's a, just a pure idea. Now, this idea could be applied to make a quantity, like three pounds, three tons, whether you want to talk about weight, whether you want to talk about distance, like uh, three miles or three light years. But three itself is just an idea. Uh, that, an application of that idea, from this idea could come quantity, but it in itself is not a quantity. What's three? Three is all in the mind. It's an idea. And that's really, in another shir, he, he went through the echad miyodea, the shnai miyodea, you know, what is that you know, piece of uh, poetry at the end of the Haggadah? It's really coming to explain that, you know, numbers are just ideas, and what is the real, real, um, it's real, most real parallel in physical reality. The purest example of three in physical reality is shlosha avos. And I can't explain that right now, because then we'll never get done. And this shir will really be mamish ain't self. And we want to keep it, you know, in a quantity. You know, uh, to just get across what he said to explain this Rambam in Perkei Avos. <clears throat> so the reborn of infinite power. But, you know, uh, what is, so let's, let's go to mathematics and we'll understand, you know, what, it means that spheres is Miloshin Mispar. Spheres themselves, the root of the word is Mispar, numbers. The relationship between numbers and infinity. So he said numbers themselves are not quantities. Numbers themselves, therefore, since they're not quantities, like we point out, that also means they're not finite. Like an idea is everywhere. The idea that one plus one equals two, that idea, it's true here, it's true on the moon, it's true everywhere. It's not, uh, you know, it's not contained in space. Uh, but it, it goes deeper than that. How numbers, you know, uh, not only are they not quantities, they themselves are almost the opposite of quantities. Take the idea of a third. I want to express a third in the decimal system. And let's say I want to describe mathematically, purely conceptually, one-third of a very small pie. Right? One-third of a pie, but I want to express that mathematically. All right, so I'm going to go 0.3333. I'm infinite. I'm going to be writing out one-third for the rest of my life, and then someone will have to take on after me, and someone will have to take on after him, and you'll still never get done expressing one-third in the decimal system. And how could that be? And I was trying to just describe a third of a very small pie. Huh? So, another example. How many fractions are there between two numbers? I want to go, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's the two, and then there's the three. So there's, you know, from going to two to three, there's two, two and a half, two and three quarters. Two and seven eighths. Two and nine tenths, etc., etc. It goes on and on and on. Because numbers are just ideas, but it's more than that. You know what numbers are? You know when we say numbers are ideas, they are aspects of infinity. Numbers are, as it were, 
a, a snapshot of infinity. You just don't see the whole of infinity. You just see this aspect of infinity. I'll prove it to you. What's the highest number? There is no highest number. Numbers go on and on and on and on. It means numbers are actually a part of infinity. Now we, there's a trick that the human mind, you know, can play of just looking at the number and ignoring the fact that it's part of an infinite set. But the fact that it's really part of infinity every once in a while shines through with these mathematical paradoxes that come up, like the irrational number that you could be spending the rest of your life writing out and still not be done, right? Or the issue of the infinite fractions that there are between two numbers. Those ideas remind us that numbers belong to infinity. It's a glimpse of infinity. You just see infinity for a second, right? Uh, and you only... and you see a piece of infinity, right? and uh, you just ignore of the 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 infinity that's a part of, but it's it's a, a aspect of infinity, right? and that's why it has these interesting properties that are the opposite of quantity. Right? <clears throat> By the way, this is the famous uh, Zeno's paradox. If uh, the ancient Greek philosopher Zeno, he asked, how does he shoot an arrow to a door? How does it ever reach there? It has to go through infinite fractions until it reaches the door. The real answer to Zeno's paradox is, you should not confuse numbers with quantities. No, you're right, there are infinite fractions between two numbers. But all those infinite fractions are just concepts. But there isn't infinite distance between where you shot the arrow and the door. Right, and I'll let the listeners just contemplate that. It goes back to what we've repeated a few times already. Numbers are not to be confused with quantities. Quantities come from numbers, but numbers themselves are not quantities. And when you understand that, you understand the answer to Zeno's paradox. <laughs> anyway, going back to the case over here of what the Makubalim mean to say, and this is a Mishnah in Sefer Yitzira. The Mishnah says... Esser spheres blima, right? There's uh, ten spheres which they are blima. We can't even uh, we we can't say what their mahut is. Midasan eser she'ain lahem sof. They are ten. They are ten spheres, but ain lahem sof. They have no end. They have no end. And the beer of the goyin says right there says like even you know you you see this even. In life itself, is this you know this idea the the infinity of the number, which even expresses itself geometrically. How many points on a plane makes no difference. How big the plane is, like it's a sheet of paper, uh, an A4 piece of paper. How many points? Infinite points. How many lines can you draw out from any particular point? Infinite lines. Now, of course, we're talking about points that, you know, the ink blot doesn't take up space, right? Or, or the line is, you know, infinitesimally thin. So, again, when, when the line and the dot is more of a concept than a quantity, when it, once it's conceptual, it's without end. Uh, that, that's the amazing thing about numbers. There are ten spheres, which give us the base ten of numbers, but they are be'etzem ein sof. That means like this. For the purposes of our discussion, right, the Rebbe gives us little glimpses of infinity. 
but the number never stops, you know, the number is not detached from infinity. You're just ignoring the infinity that it's a part of. Looking at the number without looking at what's to the right of it and what's to the left of it or what's behind it, what's implicit in it. It gives the illusion of something finite, but it's not. It's Be'etzim infinite. So Rebosham, you know, gave us ten illusions of finity that they themselves are Be'etzim infinite. And, and that's even true, not just without... That's even true from our perspective. Uh, as the Goyen also says in his Pirish, in his Sefer, it's in his place. You know, we know anyone who's done Sfiras Omer and, and says the Rebosham at the end, you know, that the, the Midas are, are, are interconnected. There's Chesed. There's Chesed Sheba Chesed. And there's Gevura Sheba Chesed. And Tifer Sheba Chesed. But you know, that, that's, you could keep on subdividing it to Chesed Sheba Chesed Sheba Chesed. Gevura Sheba Chesed Sheba Chesed. Tifer Sheba Chesed Sheba Chesed. Am infinitum. Like what? Says the Gon. Like what? Take even a, a, a little pebble. You cut it to half. Cut into quarters, then cut the quarters into eighths, and cut the eighths into sixteenths, and cut the sixteenths into thirty-twos. Om infinitum, without end, without end. It's infinitely divisible. Right, even though it's just a small rock. Again, so hiding behind what we call finity, hiding behind it, is infinite power. So these ten spheres, Karish Baruch Hu did not in any way detract from his infinity when projecting these ten, you know, uh, revealing, I should say, the correct way to say is revealing these ten distinct energies, those ten distinct energies, be'etzim are ain't self and belong to the ain't self. It's the aspect of the ain't self that we see. Like numbers, the pure number, the pure number is an aspect of infinity that we conceive. Uh, and that's the relationship, that the spheres, uh, of course, in, in no way made himself non-infinite in power. I mean, we never talk about God himself. The Tzimtzum was talking about the Hashgacha. And even in the Hashgacha, they say he emanated ten distinct powers. Right? These ten distinct powers, they are all part of the infinity. They're at just different aspects of the unchanging, immutable infinity that you see. And each one of those ten has infinite power to them. And that's what it means. He gave back to the Rambam, yes, with even one sphere could have created everything, because even one sphere of Be'etzem, you know, and the depth of it has infinite power. You just don't see the infinite power that it has. And yet he, with all these ten, each one having infinite power in, you know, Be'etzem, you know, you know, behind it, infinite power behind it, right, still... He invested ten in creating the cosmos, even though only one alone could have created everything. Because even one of these things that we call spheres is be'etzim, infinite power. Just, it looks, you, you just see a certain aspect of it, as it were, separated, even though it's not really separate, just to our eyes it seems separate. It's seemingly separate from the infinity that it's a part of, but it's always a part of that infinity. And that's why we have these you know, you know, these interesting phenomena, like we said, the irrational number, uh, the fact that there's infinite fractions between two numbers, the fact that anything could be divided om infinitum, ad ain't self. 
Ad ein tachlis. You could just divide something into half the quarters and never stop and never be done. Because as infinitesimally small, yet make it even infinitesimally smaller and then make it even infinitesimally smaller. It's an amazing thing. And it's all because the number is a part of infinity. It's the aspect of infinity that has been revealed to us. But it in itself is infinity and a part of infinity and inseparable from infinity. It's only to the eyes of the observer, us, right? that, that you see a number as opposed to infinity, but really infinity, uh, numbers are a part of infinity. Misparim are a part of ain mispar. I'm, and I just condensed, you know, he spoke much greater length, but he gave us this whole drosha on those two lines of Rambam. That's how we saw Rambam. Alright? Barsha should help, we should continue, that we, that, uh, he was Mekayim in us, he was, you know, he answered, Ramosha was Akarshu's vehicle to answer our prayers of Gal Enai, Vabita Niflos Mitarasecha, Akarshu will open my eyes to see the wonders of your Torah. It was Makuyam in him. You know, he was, his prayers were answered, and he was Hashem's vehicle to answer our prayers of revealing to us the wonders that there are in the Torah, the wonders that he saw in just two lines of Rambam. Akarshu should help us that in his absence, Ayakosh should send us Yarel and Ruach Mimorom to fill the void Viareno Niflos Mitoroso. Shusam Yagen Olenu Valko Israel.